glory to God. That, that when we spend time honoring the Holy Spirit and talking about what the Scripture says about Him and magnifying Him and putting the truth out there concerning Him, I believe something very significant will happen. And that significant thing that will happen is that He's going to show up. Show up and manifest Himself in this place, in our times together. Hallelujah. Are you hungry? Yes. I mean, if you're not hungry, you could have stayed home tonight. Hey, Wednesday night, we're the hungry crew. As a matter of fact, you, you, I need y'all to go ahead and talk to some Sunday morning only people. You see, there's Sunday morning people, there's Sunday morning only people. You know, you got to target some of those Sunday morning only people and say, hey, let me tell you what you missed. Hallelujah. Because I, I believe that God is stirring up a hunger in people's hearts where the little dabble do you won't be enough anymore. The, the, the little get my little God fix for the week and then I'm good. No, that's just not going to do it anymore. I believe we're dealing with people that are hungry and, and God, I get all of God they can get. Hallelujah. So are you ready? We're going to go ahead and dig into this. And what we're going to do, we are, we're going to teach. We're going to go ahead and just uh, break down the word. Uh, I mean, just as I like to say, uh, it's boneless chicken and filleted fish. That means you just break it down, you take all the bones out of it, you make it easy to eat and easy to digest. All right, are you with me on that? So let's talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And understand this. Oh, by the way, uh, if I can have the sound booth get me the clock on back there, because uh, uh, when the preacher's preaching, the, the clock is everybody's best friend. All right. How did it get to be 806 already? Wow, look at that. When you get baptized, in every baptism, there's a baptizer. There's one who's being baptized. And there's what or whom the person is being baptized with or into. So you've got the, the baptizer, the, the, uh, the one being baptized, and then what or whom that person is being baptized into. And the Bible shows us three kinds of baptism. Now, when you hear that, if you know a little bit about the Bible, you might think, well, what about Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about one Lord and one faith and one baptism, how can there be three different kinds of baptisms if the Bible says there's one? But, but the real truth of the matter is this, that when we understand the Scripture correctly, the, there is one Spirit, yet there's multiple dimensions of Him. There's multiple d d dimensions, multiple dimensions of how He can... Uh, manifest himself. You know what? You could have a service that's just wild and people are jumping and shouting and getting their praise on and it's a good thing. 
And you can have a service where people are just almost afraid to move, almost afraid to say something. And both of them would be manifestations of the Spirit of God. Think about that. There, There would be the variety of the flow of God where you've got praise and rejoicing. And then you've got worship and what Psalms describes as be still and know that he is God. And both of those things are manifestations of the presence of God and the flow of the Spirit of God. So we see that there's one Spirit, but multiple dimensions of him. There's one body, but the Bible says there's many members in that one body. Well, there's one baptism, but, but underneath that one baptism, there's multiple dimensions of that baptism. And I believe we'll see this clearly. And then it, it adds a little bit more context when we add this verse, which is Hebrews 6 and verse 2. And we know that the word does not contradict itself. And here it's talking about the foundational doctrines of Christ. And right, right there at the top is the doctrine of baptisms. Which means, it's got an S on the end. That means more than one, plural. So, so here's the thing. We understand that there's one baptism, and yet there are baptisms because under this one baptism, there, there, there's, uh, there, there's multiple dimensions and multiple facets of this one baptism. And those are when you're baptized into the body of Christ, when you're baptized in water, And when you're baptized in or with the Holy Spirit. So, the three kinds of baptism that a believer can experience, and we're going to look at scripture for these as well. You got baptism into the body of Christ, you got baptism in water, and you got baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at baptism into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12, verse 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Hallelujah. So by one spirit, you've been baptized into one body. That is where the Spirit of God, when you are saved, he baptizes you into the body of Christ. Did you know your salvation is a baptism? Hey, and I'm not talking about water baptism here, but I'm talking about the fact that what the Holy Spirit does when you become a believer in Jesus, he baptizes you, immerses you in to the body of Christ. Now, baptism in water, and many verses we could have picked for that, but I chose Matthew 28, where Jesus is given the Great Commission. Verse 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that first verse we looked at, that's baptism into the body of Christ. Now, it's interesting, we identified that there's the 
the baptizer, the person being baptized, and the whom or the what the person is being baptized into. So with the baptism in the body of, into the body of Christ, you got the Holy Spirit doing the baptizing of you into the body of Christ. So the Holy Spirit's doing the baptizing. You're the baptizee, if you want to come up with a word there. And you're being baptized into the body of Christ. With baptism in water, it might be your pastor or a fellow disciple who baptizes you, the baptizee, into water in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And that's something that's a very important part of following the command of Jesus because what, without spending a whole lot of time on it, but what water baptism does, it allows you to give into your senses the reality of what has already taken place on your inside. See, you're coming into the water and, and you're making a, a declaration that I'm, I'm, I'm identifying with Jesus. That I, yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those born again ones. Yep, that's me. Yep, you, you can say what you want to say, but I am glad to tell you, I'm glad to announce I identify. I identify as a believer. Everybody's talking about identifying and self-identifying and crazy identifying. Well, I'm talking about identifying as a believer in Jesus. I identify with him. I'm one of his and I'm not ashamed. So you go into that water, you go under that symbolic of the fact that you died with him. You come up out of that water, that's symbolic of the fact that you were raised together with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. So, so the, 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 the act of water baptism is a way of acting out what has already taken place inside of you. And God just really wants to get it across to you. And he wants you in a public way to identify with him. To be able to say, hey, everybody, I'm just looking to, to go ahead and, and let anybody know who wants to know that I'm one of his, I identify with him, I'm a disciple, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what about being baptized with the Holy Spirit? Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. This is John the Baptist talking. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Who's that? That's Jesus. John the Baptist was a forerunner to the coming of Jesus. He was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. So that he who is coming after me is Jesus. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus is the baptizer. We're the baptizee, like we coined that term. And the Holy Spirit and fire is the who we get baptized with or baptized into. So you see that. Three baptisms. Baptism into the body of Christ. Baptism into uh, water. And baptism with the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting, you see a picture of those three baptisms in several portions of Scripture. For instance, 1 John 5, 
And 7 and 8 says this, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Then verse 8, And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. So you see the Spirit, well, that covers one baptism. That's baptism with the Holy Spirit. The water, yeah, baptism with water, and the blood. The fact that when you have been uh, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, that was the very moment where you were, in a sense, baptized into the blood of Jesus, and your sins were washed away, and the blood of the Lamb of God redeemed you. Hallelujah. So you see all three baptisms there. The, the baptism in the spirit, the baptism in water, and, and the, the, the baptism into the body of Christ. There, there's another portion of scripture that gives us some insight into those baptisms, those three baptisms we're talking about. And this would be 1 Corinthians 10. Now before we start reading, I want to let you know this. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul said that this is a picture. Woo! This is a picture of that the, what happened to the Israelites is a lesson for us upon whom the ends of the world have come. So it just didn't happen to them way back then and have no kind of benefit or uh, connection to what's happening to us today. Paul said there is a definite connection. He said, you better look at them and learn your lesson. <laughs> hey, now, uh, if, if you start with 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1, he, he, uh, we're going to go ahead and see something interesting here regarding the three kinds of baptism we're talking about. Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Now, remember we had read earlier about drinking into one spirit? Well, I'll tell you, that was patterned off of something that already took place. Because those Israelites out there in the desert, whether they realized it or not, that they were, uh, that they were a picture of what was to come. They were drinking from that rock. You know, the, the rock where the water came out of the rock? They were drinking from the rock, but the rock was Christ. And the water that flowed out of him was his spirit for us. Hallelujah. And so just like they got to drink the spiritual drink, they got to drink of the spirit. We as believers get to drink of the spirit as well. But, but the, the thing I want you to see is verse 2. It says they were baptized into Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. Well, being baptized into Moses, that's an interesting thought. Well, you say, who's Moses? I mean, Moses was a prophet and a great man, but he was only a human being. But Moses is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 3 and verse 22 quote something that Moses said where Moses clearly prophesied and said, there's coming another prophet like me. And he talked about that prophet who was to come. And Acts 3, 22 said that the fulfillment of that was in Jesus. That when Moses was said, yeah, there's another prophet coming like me, that the fulfillment of that was in Jesus. And just like Moses was the one who delivered his people out of Egypt, 
Well, I want you to know Jesus delivered us out of sin and out of the world and out of the mess we were in into the blessing of heaven. Hallelujah. So being baptized into Moses, that there being the picture of being baptized into the body of Christ. And of course, then you've got in the cloud. Well, what's the cloud? Well, when you read the Old Testament, you see very often a reference to the, the presence of God leading the Israelites through, through the wilderness. The pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Are you with me? Well, what did the pillar do? It led them. In the book of Numbers, it said, when the cloud stayed, we stayed. We didn't move. When the cloud moved, we moved. Hey, somebody. And here in New Testament times, you're not looking up at the cloud saying, all right, Holy Ghost, which one is you? Right now as a New Testament believer, you got the cloud inside of you. Hallelujah. And in the same way that he led people then, he's leading us today. For as many as are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.14 says that. And of course, they were baptized in the sea as well. So uh, talk about water baptism, symbolic of water baptism. So in multiple places, you see... Uh, reference to, to all three of those baptisms. Baptism in the Spirit, baptism into the body of Christ. Well, to put them in order, baptism into the body of Christ always has to be first. But what about baptism two and baptism three? Well, it's interesting. There were times in Scripture when people got baptized into the body of Christ and then baptized with water, and then baptized with the Holy Spirit. But there's times like Cornelius' household. Woo! They got baptized into the body of Christ. And almost simultaneously baptized into the body of Christ. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter said, hey. I mean, it's obvious you're saved. It's obvious you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Why don't we baptize you in water too? So. Being baptized into the body of Christ always has to be first. You got to be saved. But two and three, there's not a definitive order to it. It could happen one way or the other. The scripture demonstrates that you could be baptized in water first and then baptized in the spirit or the other way around. But what comes first? Baptism into the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, What I want to spend time getting into tonight and really lay a foundation on is the difference between salvation and the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Because we understand that that when when we're saved that the Spirit of God comes and dwells inside of us. So so therefore, it's easy to think, well, if I got the Holy Spirit in me, what, what do I need to get more Holy Spirit for? You know, when when we think of things rationally with our minds, we think, well, I already got the Holy Spirit. I'm good. But what does the Bible say about this? And I want to show you tonight that the Bible makes a clear distinction between these two Holy Spirit experiences. Number one being your salvation, and number two being the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. I never saw this before till this week. And when I saw it, I about had a fit, a good kind of fit. 
a benefit. Hey, I thought somebody would like that. Um, but I saw this, that with the feast of Israel, how many know Israel had feasts? Very significant feasts. Feasts that just weren't thrown out there because God wanted to have a party at a certain time of the year. But, but feasts that were a picture and representative uh, of the, the fulfillment of God's plan. And there's a fulfillment in the New Testament to every feast that you hear talked about in the Old Testament. But it's interesting that when we talk about salvation and we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we see those things represented by not the same feast, but two different feasts. The one that brought salvation was called Passover. And Jesus was the Passover lamb. Hallelujah. And because of the Passover lamb, you can pass over from that old life into that new life. Hallelujah. But then there was another feast called Pentecost. And it was on the day of Pentecost when people were baptized with the Holy Spirit for the very first time. So you see two distinct feasts. Jesus being the lamb of Passover, but Jesus was the baptizer of Pentecost. He was the lamb shedding his blood at Passover. But when it came to the day of Pentecost, he was a baptizer because it was John who said that he who comes after me, we read it, is mightier than I. I'm not worthy to carry his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Yeah. By the way, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, are, we're talking about the same person. The Holy Ghost, that, that, that's a term often used in the King James Bible. And when you grew up reading the King James Bible, before you read modern translations like me, you try to remember Holy Spirit, but sometimes the Holy Ghost comes out. So it is what it is. But all talk about the same wonderful person, the, the, the third person of the Godhead. Hallelujah. So let's go ahead and check this out. Now, have you ever wondered this? Has anybody ever wondered when the disciples were born again? And I'm, when I'm talking about the disciples, I should say the, the apostles, the 12, which ended up being the 11 for a little while. Did, did you ever wonder when they were born again? Because you think, well, I mean, yeah, they were with Jesus every day. But, but of course, Jesus had not yet died and uh, was, was raised from the dead necessary things that needed to happen in order for them to be saved. I'd say that's very necessary. But it's interesting. We're going to read something here. And you see, of course, uh, Easter's coming up next month, and we always talk about resurrection morning. Hey, let me tell you what happened on resurrection morning. But we're going to look here at something that happened on resurrection night. Are you interested? This is John chapter 20. Now we're, we're not going to read all of it, 
But you see verse 19, it says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. Now, this day is the same day when the girls went to the tomb. And then Peter and John came to the tomb and found that the tomb was empty. This is the same day. So this is resurrection night. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. And as the father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we all have to ask ourselves a very simple question here. (laughs) Was Jesus going through some kind of formality here that did not have any meaning and did not have any uh, definite results? Or when he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, do you think that they received the Holy Spirit? I got to tell you, it's hard for me to imagine Jesus doing something that doesn't produce results. Or Jesus acting something out in such a way, says, receive the Holy Spirit, and then I have to say, just kidding, not yet. I I don't see Jesus doing that. If Jesus is going to go ahead and, and act this out in such a way and speak these words in such a way, I believe he's doing it for the intention of those to whom he's speaking and those upon whom he's breathing to receive something. Or should I say receive someone? And I believe that at this point here, the fact that Jesus had already died and Jesus was already raised from the dead, there was no more reason for these guys to wait. They could, at that moment, become a new creature in Christ and be baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And what a way to get born again with the very one there who paid the price to do it for you. (laughs) And think about this. What an amazing picture when you imagine that God breathed into Adam right in the very beginning of the first creation. God breathed into him and he became a living soul. And here at the beginning of the new creation, you see the Son of God breathing once again. And in the same way that the first breath God breathed put life into Adam's physical body, he breathed spirit into him. He was just a lump of dust, and God breathed his spirit. (sighs) Well, hallelujah, I want you to know that that we've been breathed into. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are new creations. We were dead previously. We We were a lump like Adam was just a lump laying there. Lifeless. But God breathed into us. Hallelujah. So I am certain that if if these guys received the Holy Spirit then, that had to be the moment where they became born again. 
And we're going to see that more as we go. So if you're not convinced yet, you will be. But let's keep on reading some other things that Jesus said after his resurrection about the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Luke 24, verse 49. Said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So, interesting thing. According to what Jesus is saying here, he said, I'm, I'm going to send the promise of my Father, but tarry until you are endued with power from on high, which means whatever has happened to you up until this point, you have not yet been endued with power from on high. Well, I can't come to any other conclusion. Let's go a little further. Let's go to the book of Acts. Chapter 1. Now Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, the, the gospel that bears his name, but Luke also wrote the gospel, I mean the, the book of Acts. So Luke's talking about the promise of the Father in Luke 24, and you're going to see mention of that once again here in Acts chapter 1. We'll start with the beginning of the chapter. Acts 1 verse 1, the former account, talking about the gospel of Luke. I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Check this out. 40 days. Now, when, when did they get breathed on? That was resurrection night. And now, 40 days have gone by. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, Jesus, right on the first day he rose from the dead, like we said, resurrection night, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And now, 40 days later, the scripture says, just before he ascends up to the right hand of the throne of God, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Well, Jesus, is, I thought you said we got the Holy Spirit. And now you're talking about when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But that tells us something, that there's two Holy Spirit experiences. 
There's the one in which he comes and dwells in you as a believer when you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. But there's more, like the commercials say, but wait, there's more. Hey, come on. Hallelujah. And, and we need to realize there's more. There's more. Was that a light bulb? Yeah, thought so. What was it? Oh, the projector. Oh, boy. I knew it was a bulb, right? Yeah. All right. There's power in the house. More power than the bulb and the projector. Come on now. Now, check this out. So in salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit, but in that case, the Holy Spirit's like a well of living water springing up inside of you. Remember the words that Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 14. He said, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So here he's talking about water, but he's talking about a fountain of water or a well of water springing up inside of you. But then a few chapters later, he's talking about living water again. But now he's not talking about the fountain or, or the well that's springing up inside of you. He's talking about water in a different form now. Are you ready? John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, Jesus needed to die, be raised from the dead, and be glorified, be seated on the right hand of God. And then after Jesus was glorified, that was the point where the Holy Spirit could be given as he was on the day of Pentecost. Do you see that? Do you see that? All right. Now, it's interesting. This is talking about an experience that those who believe in him would receive. But there has to be a Holy Spirit experience that an unbeliever can have. Otherwise, there'd be no way of an unbeliever becoming a believer. There has to be a Holy Spirit experience that someone who's not a believer can experience. Otherwise, how can you get saved to begin with? 1 Corinthians 12.3 is going to help us out here. Now, I'm not going too deep on you, am I? I don't want to go deep. I want to just go ahead and take my time with this. Uh, th this is laying the foundation. This is important. Very, very important. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, keep that verse up. The, the reason why this is very significant, because it's talking about you saying that Jesus is Lord. 
Does that ring a bell to anybody? It rings a bell to me. Because Romans 10 and verse 9 says that if you would uh, believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus or confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So, so we see the confession of Jesus as Lord and that uh, for, for that to happen, I mean, somebody can mindlessly say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is Lord and not mean it with anything inside of them. But we're we're talking when somebody makes that statement and makes that statement in faith, the Holy Spirit's involved when they're making that statement in faith. The Holy Spirit's involved because at that moment when they declare the Lordship of Jesus in their life and they declare it in faith, that they're they're speaking it with with conviction, with faith, with, with the confidence that this is absolutely the truth. The Holy Spirit gets involved at that very moment, and as the, the confession of Jesus as Lord and, and the belief in one's heart that God has raised him from the dead is the means whereby somebody's saved, well, you don't get saved without the Holy Spirit's involvement. So you see that? No one can say Jesus is Lord. You can't even uh, get, get into square one of the kingdom without the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So we see his involvement there in salvation. You also have John chapter 16. Take a look at verse 8. And Jesus is specifically talking about the Holy Spirit here. And he says, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. And of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9 says of sin because they do not believe in me. So here we see the he that's being talked about. If you look in the context, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said that the Holy Spirit has a role in convicting someone who's not a believer of sin. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit's role in bringing somebody in. Hallelujah. You know that the Holy Spirit's involved in your new birth because of the words that Jesus spoke in John 3. John 3, verse 5 and 6. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So you realize this, you being born again, You are born of the Spirit. You are born of the Spirit. Do you see that? So we see, without a doubt, the Holy Spirit's involvement in salvation. Romans 8, verse 9, the last part of that says, Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. You see that last line there? If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. So that's pretty clear language. If you're going to be saved, you got to have the Holy Spirit. And we'll skip over 1 John 3 for now. But I want you to realize this, that, that you do receive the Holy Spirit in the new birth, but we're going to see here that it's very obvious that you don't experience all of him there is to experience. But wait, there's more. And we're going to see this. That there's a Holy Spirit experience that only one who is a believer can experience. Now, somebody who's getting saved, hey, 
You know, they're coming out of the kingdom of darkness and into the the kingdom of God's dear son. They're coming out of light into darkness, out of sin into righteousness. I I mean, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And the spirit of God's involved in that. We see that very clearly here. But, but yet at the same time, there is a Holy Spirit experience that only a believer can experience. Remember what we read over in John 7. We'll take a look at verse 39 again. Where it says this, this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this is about an experience that those who believe would receive. Jesus even specifically said that there's a dimension of receiving the Holy Spirit that the world cannot receive. Did you know that? Check it out with me. This is John 14. John 14, verse 16 said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So there is a dimension of receiving the spirit that the world cannot receive. And yet, we saw that there's obviously a dimension of receiving the Spirit that somebody in the world can receive. Otherwise, how can they get saved to begin with? So I think we're on to something here. Let's let's keep on going with this, all right? Now, I want to look at some real-life examples in the book of Acts before we wrap up tonight. And, And I want you to see the progression of them clearly being saved, and then after that, a distinct experience where they're filled with the Holy Spirit, all right? Acts chapter 8. Welcome to Bible study, (laughs) y'all. Hey, we're digging in tonight, hallelujah. Acts chapter 8. And what we're doing, we're establishing that these are two distinct Holy Spirit experiences. That being salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's an important distinction. But I don't want you to just think that way because Pastor John teaches that way or Pastor Ray teaches that way. Nah, you got to see it in the book for yourself. I mean, if I said it and it's not in the book, go with the book, not with me. (laughs) Acts chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. So Philip preached Christ, and the people heeded what he spoke. And they were hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Well, here's the thing. We see Paul, uh, Philip preached Christ. They gave heed. There were miracles, and there was great joy in that city. But just in case you're not convinced that these people were saved, go to verse 14. It says, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Well, you can't receive the word of God and not be saved. If you've received the word of God, 
You know, the, the Bible describes the word as the incorruptible seed of the word of God by which we're born again. We're, we're born of the spirit, but we're also born of the word. First Peter talks about that. Being born again by the word of God that lives and abides forever. So if they received the word of God, hey, they received that incorruptible seed whereby we're born again. Hallelujah. So when, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they received the word of God. They had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, they'd been baptized in water. But they, the, they said the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon them. So Peter and John came and prayed for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit. So you see a distinction there. People that are saved, people that are saved and baptized in water. But yet, there was a need for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, people would say, well, that was Peter and John because of the apostles. Yes, God, hallelujah. The apostles could uh, uh, lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. But the apostles have been long gone, so there ain't no hope for you. Uh, well, the devil is a liar. Because here in this next chapter... You're going to read about one little remote disciple in the city of Damascus who went and laid hands on someone to receive the Holy Spirit. Let's read the instance of Saul of Tarsus, who we better know as the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 9 and verse 3. It says, as he journeyed, as Saul journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Well, then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Look at that. So when he called him Lord the first time, he said, I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, I know you're Lord. Because you are mighty, mighty bright. You just knocked me off my horse. You are Lord. But then this Lord identifies himself, said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then what's his response? Lord, what do you want me to do? That right there is the confession of Jesus as Lord. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Now, if you're not convinced that Saul be, became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ at that point, that he was saved at that point, then go ahead and check out verse 17. And Ananias, that's that, that, that little known disciple in Damascus, who, who got a big project from God. Jesus appeared to him and said, yeah, I need you to go to such and such a house on Straight Street in Damascus. Yeah, that side of town over there. And I, I, I need you to go and lay hands on Saul of Tarsus. And he said, oh, Lord, uh, I've heard about this guy. <laughs> But Jesus sent him. Look what happened. Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Hallelujah. He was a brother. You see that? He was a brother. But this brother needed something more than he already had. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. So you see that, a clear distinction between the time when Saul of Tarsus became a believer in Jesus and when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you stand one more? All I need is one amen. I'm going with it. I don't need everybody to say amen. I'll go with one. (laughs) But but we're going to wrap up with this. And once again, seeing the clear distinction between salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Laying the foundation here tonight. Are you ready? Acts 19, verse 1. And it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. They're talking about John the Baptist. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So here's a bunch of guys who, who were familiar with the baptism of John. John even baptized them, but, but, but they never even knew that the one that John was talking about had already come. News didn't travel as fast as it does now, you can see. But it's interesting, the question that Paul asked, and and you see this in verse 2. Put up verse 2 again. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, I got to tell you. And, and, you you know, uh, I don't have to think real hard about this. But I would have to say that if the only Holy Spirit you got is when you became a believer and there was nothing else but that, that would be kind of a dull, obvious question to ask. Because of course they would have received the Holy Spirit when they believed. If that was all there was to receiving the Holy Spirit, was receiving the Holy Spirit in salvation, The answer would be an obvious yes. I mean, why even ask such a question? Are you following me here? So for him to ask that question would mean that there's a possibility that someone would have believed and the Holy Spirit came into them as a believer and yet they had not yet received the Holy Spirit, talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized with the Holy Spirit. So you see that the simple fact that Paul would ask a question is the proof that he believed that these were not the same experience, but two separate ones. So now we see that they had to find out who Jesus was, and they found out who Jesus was, and then after that, that then Paul uh, uh, baptized them in water. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, baptized in water. And then after that, Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 
So I wanted to go ahead and lay that foundation for you tonight that right from the get-go that you could see clearly in the scripture and my notes are up on the website with all these verses, but so that you can see clearly the distinction between the Holy Spirit coming into you at the new birth, dwelling inside of you as a believer, and you being filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit, that those are two different things. And what we're going to go ahead and get into next week, we're going to start off, first of all, by contrasting what the apostles were like before they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and after they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. There's quite a contrast there. And also, one of the beautiful things that we're going to get into is what happens to a person when they receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at the, uh, ex- uh, the, the explanations of the experience throughout the book of Acts, and we're going to take a look at what happened to them. Because if it happened to them, and here's a little hint. Who's the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit? Jesus, right? Is Jesus different? Jesus can't be different because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if the baptizer is the same, then the baptism has to be the same. Which means the same good stuff they got out of it is the same good stuff that we can get out of it. Someone say, praise the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I tell you, you talk about him. You tell the truth about him. You preach the word about him. And he's going to show up and show out and manifest himself. Do you believe it? I said, do you believe it? If you're here tonight, and you don't know Jesus, I want to pray with you before you leave this building. If that's you, right where you are, I want you to go ahead and be honest with yourself and honest with God and honest with me. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus and you want to go ahead and leave this place tonight knowing that you know God, knowing that you're right and tight with God, knowing that if you were to die, that your home would be heaven.